Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash itself. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra premium formula for moms who will not settle when it comes to their little ones. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with simple quality ingredients, no artificial dyes or preservatives, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Head to Amazon.com or Walmart.com to grab Dr. Mom Butt Balm because nothing comes between you and your baby, especially not diaper rash. Hey, hey, this is a delightful birth story episode. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 119. As always, I am so, so glad that you are spending some of your time with me today. On today's podcast, I have Heidi. Heidi lives in Northern Utah with her husband and her son, Oliver, and their two golden doodles, Remy and Walter. She's from the Seattle area, but she recently relocated to Utah for her husband's job. When they moved, she left her corporate job at Amazon, and now she is currently living the life of a stay-at-home mom and realizing that it is a lot harder than most people think. Heidi enjoys cooking, working out on her Peloton, traveling and exploring, especially in the beautiful state of Utah. Heidi joins me to share her story of her vaginal birth and from her own words, nothing went as planned for her birth, but it was still beautiful. She shares how she had a lot of scares in the first trimester, including an episode of heavy bleeding and alcohol exposure before she realized she was pregnant. 
And by alcohol exposure, I mean, she drank alcohol before she realized she was pregnant, how she had something called a velamentous cord insertion and what that meant for her pregnancy. Also, how she didn't find that having a doula was as helpful as she thought it would be. There is tons of great, useful information in this episode. And as always, I know you're going to enjoy it. Now, before we get into the episode, let me do a quick listener shout out. This is from 471 zero four six two four six m e all right and the title of the review says love 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 and the review says dr nicole rankins is living out her purpose and serving women so well i love all of the resources she shares from birth stories to evidence-based advice she always keeps respect for women at the core and you can tell she deeply cares for fixing the problems in our birthing systems in the united states If you are a birth worker, a mom or dad, or hope to give birth one day, you need this podcast in your life. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 471-046-246-ME for this lovely review. It is indeed my passion and my purpose to serve. And I'm grateful that I get to do so through this podcast. I also love serving folks through my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works. So many people think that a birth plan is a written piece of paper. And actually that written piece of paper is the least important part of the birth plan process. Making a birth plan should be a process that happens during your pregnancy where you learn information about whether or not the two most influential factors in your birth, the way your doctor approaches birth and the way the hospital approaches birth, a birth plan is about learning whether or not those two things are in line with what you want for your birth. And in my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works, I give you questions to ask so you can understand just that. You can sign up for the class at drnicolerankins.com forward slash register. Again, it is completely free. It is on demand offered several times a day. So be sure to take that class. All right, let's get into the episode with Heidi. Thank you so much, Heidi, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here and share your birth story today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Yeah. So I am from the Seattle area, but I recently moved to Utah with my husband, Mike, uh, our son, Oliver, and our two big golden doodles, Remy and Walter. Yeah. My husband is a project manager. So he moved here for his job and I usually work in corporate PR, but I'm currently taking a little break because my old job at Amazon was Seattle based only. Um, so I'm just really enjoying soaking up this extra time with my son right now. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah. yeah. So did, did you move? Like, how did the move work in timing with like your pregnancy? Moving is the worst. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> were you, was it after you had your baby yeah. or before? I'm just curious. Yeah. So after. Yeah. My son, we actually moved on his first birthday. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, and that was exciting with COVID and flying and everything, but he did great. He was a champion. Oh, good. <laughs> Good, 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 good. So why don't we start off by talking about what your pregnancy and prenatal care was like, just because that helps inform how things go and going into your birth. So um, did you have a physician, midwife? How'd you feel about your pregnancy? Any problems? Let's get into that for a bit. Okay. Um, My pregnancy had a couple small hiccups in the first trimester. Uh, In the beginning, when I, I found out, so I I knew I was going to find out I was pregnant around this time. I was going on a work trip to Austin, Texas, (laughs) and I was super excited. And I brought a gazillion of those cheap little pregnancy tests with me. And uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) while I was there, I started to get like this really heavy, what I thought was a heavy period. And so I figured, you know, didn't happen. Uh, I'm not pregnant. So I kind of let loose with my colleagues and like drank wine, had sushi, went in the hot tub, like all the things you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant. Right. Um, and when I got back from that trip, I, on a Monday, I just randomly felt like I should take a test and it was positive. And 
So I was very surprised and very excited. Um, Were you scared at all? Because you knew what, like you had done the hot tub and had some wine and all of those things? Yeah, I was actually. And I, I called, I, I was seeing the midwives throughout my whole pregnancy as I called them and they're so wonderful. They spend so much time like talking to you as much as you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they reassured me that it was okay. Like it was so early that... Um, it was totally fine. Um, and we set up my eight week appointment to do like, you know, the first ultrasound and all that stuff, um, kind of all in that call. Um, and I did the blood work and found out I was actually pregnant and kind of went on from there. Um, so at the eight week mark, I went in for that appointment and the ultrasounds, the midwives pulled out the ultrasound to kind of like, you know, see what was going on and they couldn't find the embryo on the ultrasound. Mm. They just saw the sac and the midwife I was seeing, I think she was kind of more new at her job (laughs) and she explained to me that I was most likely having a miscarriage. And she said that I'd probably pass the sac in the next week. Um, and if I, I didn't have any symptoms, then to come back, well, regardless to come back and do a follow-up and my husband and I were devastated and we went that whole week, just like, so like a big pool of emotions, but we both had this feeling that it wasn't a miscarriage. Like we both felt very strongly that she was wrong (laughs) and, um, we went back in that next week for the follow-up and I hadn't had any symptoms of a miscarriage or anything. So they did another ultrasound and there he was and his heart was beating strong and he was doing great. So I think I'd gone straight from like, I ended my birth control pills and I got pregnant like really quick after that. And so I didn't really know what my cycle was and um, they were kind of guessing. And so I think that's what happened is they just assumed I was at my eight week mark when really I was only like six weeks when I went to that appointment. So they just didn't see him yet so gotcha Gotcha. yeah we're very relieved that's a lot to go through and like the first few days I mean (laughs) a few weeks of pregnancy like what a a roller coaster yeah yeah that was very hard and I I I have so many friends that have had miscarriages and so I was was really leaning on them and for their support and like it's you kind of get this community that rallies around with you um when you have friends that have gone through something like that. And thankfully that isn't what it ended up being, but I was so thankful for all my friends that were so vocal about what they'd gone through. And it just kind of helped me feel like I wasn't alone, even though that's not what it ended up being. Um, but I definitely think having that community helps. Yeah, for, for sure, sure. For sure. <laughs> so then how did the rest of your pregnancy go? Um, so around 10 weeks, I again started bleeding pretty heavily I just like went in to go take a shower and I just saw like tons of blood (laughs) and I remember it was on a Sunday and I called the midwives and I was bawling and um, the midwives talked to me for like 30 minutes, maybe an hour, like kind of just chatting me through some things and seeing how, if it was getting better. And she stayed on the phone with me and then she ended up offering to come in on like Sunday night into the office and do an ultrasound and thankfully it turned out to be completely fine again (laughs) it was just the blood vessel that had like popped at my by my cervix gotcha and I didn't even know that was a thing like (laughs) but again (laughs) I was like okay this is a little intense like I just want to get through this first trimester and be okay (laughs) right 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 had Um, you had sex recently or anything or did it just come out of nowhere um that's a good we might have actually, um, now that I think back to it, that could have been what it was. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I mean, you said that it was something associated with like your cervix because the cervix is very vascular and even more so during pregnancy. So it can bleed, um, a lot, especially if you had some prominent blood vessels, obviously you don't know that because you can't see inside your body and see yeah. what your surface <laughs> looks like. <laughs> so I can imagine again, that that was like, what in the world is, is going on? Yeah. But that's really cool that your midwife came in on a Sunday yeah. evening to do an ultrasound. Yeah. They were wonderful. I'm so thankful for them. <laughs> that is great. That is great. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. 
Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. In addition to its patented protein blend, their formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey to casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system and makes it an easy-to-digest formula. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code Dr. Nicole for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Okay, so then how how did the rest of the pregnancy go? <laughs> um, the rest was great. Um, at my 20, I got through the first trimester and then at my 20 week ultrasound, they found out that I had a velamentous cord. Okay which isn't a huge deal most of the time. And basically like instead of the cord going straight into the placenta, I mean, you know this, but um, it yeah, goes. No, yeah, go ahead, and, go ahead and explain it. Yeah. Um, so instead of it going straight into the placenta, it goes kind of like into the sac and splits off into different strands that eventually make it to the placenta. And the biggest issue is that the umbilical cord isn't protected by that protective jelly anymore. And they said that um, as long as he keeps growing fine, he'd be okay. And they were going to do one more ultrasound kind of towards the end of my pregnancy to make sure he was growing fine and not um, slowing down because he was starting to push on the, the, the umbilical cord. So yeah. other than that, everything went went well. He was growing fine. He was a big baby. I'm six foot and my husband's six one. So he was measuring very big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you guys are going to grow big babies just because you're both tall people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that was a perfect explanation of what a filamentous cord insertion is. <laughs> I couldn't have done it any better myself, but exactly what you said, it just doesn't, it, it it inserts in a way that puts the pregnancy potentially at risk. So I'm glad that no, there were no issues there with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. very cold that it wasn't, yeah. it, it, it ended up catching up to us at the end, but um, throughout the pregnancy, it was fine. <laughs> gotcha. And we will get to that for sure. So what are some things you did to prepare for your birth? Well, I'm definitely a planner and since this was my first baby, like I was like so nervous about the actual birth part. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I took, I took a birthing class, which was so incredibly helpful for both me and my husband, uh, just learning the different stages of labor. And then one of the biggest things that helped us was learning the different tools that they might need to use in the, in the room. So like a vacuum and like the fetal heart rate monitor that like screws into their head, <laughs> things like that. Gotcha. And that was an online class, I assume? No, that was in person. It was, oh. this was right before COVID hit. So gotcha. Gotcha. we got, we were lucky enough to be able to meet in person. Um, just before gotcha. it all kind of got crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to use a different expression, but yeah. I guess children may be listening. So, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before, th before things hit the fan, yeah. how about that? <laughs> uh, and then, um, how was it, offered by the hospital or did you find it through a local childbirth educator who taught the class? So I actually, we hired a doula to help as well, just because I wanted somebody else in the room. I, mm -hmm. I get impatient with my husband when he's like not helpful. I mean, like any woman does. Of course. <laughs> and so I hired, we hired a doula because I wanted, if I was like not sure and he wasn't sure, I wanted somebody that was like confident and could kind of help me make decisions and know what was going on. So we hired a doula and she actually um, directed us to that birthing class specifically. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and at what point in your pregnancy did you hire a doula? We hired her right around my, like right when the second trimester started, um, just because I knew I wanted a, another resource. In hindsight, I think my, my midwives were um, perfectly helpful without having a doula. So for me, I didn't think 
it was as necessary, but it, she was helpful, like for like random questions and stuff along the way that I didn't want to like bug the midwives about. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And did you meet with your doula like a couple times during the pregnancy or? Yeah, we met. So we met, you know, at the, like the, when we were hired her, we did like an interview in person. And then in the third trimester, we did like two in-person meetings where she came to our house and she walked us through like options for our birth plan, which we pulled together. Um, and then she kind of showed me and my husband like different positions and things we could do when I was in labor. Like she helped show like, like hands-on how we could do things before, like I actually was in the thick of it and you know, you don't want to learn it then necessarily. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So, um, yeah, she came over twice and then she ended up being there for the birth as well. Okay. Okay. And then, so you did the childbirth education class, you had a doula, um, you said you are a planner. Did you read any books also? Um, I, I was more into listening to birth stories, like ah. on podcasts like yours. And uh-huh. I watched a lot of YouTube videos and just kind of seeing all the different like ways that pregnant or, you know, birth stories can go. And I think that was yep. really helpful too. Yeah. So you get, get a range of, of what to, what to expect. Yeah. 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 So what are some things you wanted for your birth? Um, I really, so I had this, you know, vision in my head. I definitely wanted a vaginal birth, although I I knew with like the Velmentis cord, there was always a chance of a C-section. And um, it's so funny. I kept telling my husband going up to our birth, I was like, I'm going to have a C-section. I know I'm going to have a C-section. So I mentally was prepared in case I, I did. Right. Um, and I just, I didn't, I was just one of those things. Like I had this feeling that it was going to happen. Um, but I really wanted to try for a, a vaginal birth. I really, I didn't want to commit to getting an epidural because I wanted to see what it was like and have that as an option. Um, and yeah, I like, I had this big plan in my head. I had like my, my playlist of music I was going to play, like right. snacks. I was like ready to just hunker down and like be there for a while and um, have our, have our baby. But um, it's so funny because things change and that's not how it went at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting that you were both like mentally preparing and physically preparing. It sounds like getting all the things for a vaginal birth, but something in your mind was like C-section is there also. Yeah. And it might've been like with the experiences in the first trimester, just those things, like things didn't go according to plan then. And um, with the Velma discord, like mm-hmm. I just had a feeling something else was going to go not so well. Gotcha. So, gotcha. um, I just had a feeling. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well then let's talk about what happened exactly during your labor and birth and let's get all the way from the beginning to the end. Okay. So let's see on, I, I was 30 around the 36 week mark, I went in for my old, my regular appointment and they told me that my son hadn't really grown much from the week prior. And then my 38, seven week appointment, the same thing. They told me like you hadn't really grown. So I was starting to think like, okay, is this the Velmentis cord causing an issue and he's not growing? Um, so they were going to do another ultrasound at 38 weeks, but I never... Um, or no, 39 weeks, but I never made it to 39. He came at 38 and a half. He came early. Okay. So, um, on, I started getting contractions on a Saturday and they're very mild. I could like walk around and talk, but you know, they're just every once in a while, they're like actual contractions, not just Braxton Hicks. And, um, I was texting my doula and she was like, didn't seem very concerned. She's like, this could go on for weeks, just kind of hang in there and, um, just, you know, go about your day and try not to stress too much about it. (laughs) And on Saturday night, they completely went away and I was like, okay, this isn't happening. So we went to bed just like normal. And Sunday at like midnight, I woke up and my contractions were really strong and they were really consistent. And I laid in bed for a little while and I just kind of tried to see if uh, they were going to go away again or could be consistent. And I was timing them in my bed under the covers, trying not to wake up my husband. (laughs) (laughs) 
And at 2 a.m., I ended up waking him up and I was like, I think this is happening. Like my contract is really strong. So we were texting my doula and she's like, okay, we'll just like take a bath and hang out and eat some food and, you know, just keep me posted. But at that point, they were really consistent. Like they were probably like right on the dot every like three to five minutes and they were really strong. And I was like, I I feel like I need to go to the hospital soon. Right, right. (laughs) And she eventually we convinced her to come over at three o'clock in the morning. So she comes over and she's like, I don't think you're ready to go to the hospital. Um, let's do some different positions and things and, you know, try and get through some of these contractions. So I, I did lots of different positions. The contractions were really strong. And I was like, I, when do you go to the hospital? If not now, like this seems like pretty. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, she eventually told me to, we should just go lie in bed and try and sleep. And she was going to do um, the hip compressions on uh-huh. like the hip squeezes while I laid in bed and um, tried to get some rest. Right. And so she came into the bed with me. My husband was like, there's no room. So I'm going to sleep on the couch. And not even 15 minutes into that, I was like, I have to go to the hospital now. Like, I can't wait. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and um, she was like, okay, well, we can go, but I'm worried they're going to turn us away. I was like, I don't care. Like, I need to go. I feel like I could use an epidural like now. Right, right. <laughs> and I stood up and my water broke all over. Um, and it was just such a, I was such a hot mess trying to get ready for the hospital. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my husband was like calling the midwives and saying we're coming. And they're like, well, how far are the contractions? And how is she like, how, you know, asking all the questions. And he's like, I don't right. know. We're coming now. And they're like, we're just coming. Like, <laughs> Yeah. They're like, okay, we'll see you when you get here. Right, right, right. So what time was that then around about, you said? We, I think we were heading out the door around like 4.30. Okay. Um, Okay. Gotcha. So, um, and then I was like, my water was breaking. I was trying to like not get it all over the carpet. And then I was like having to lay down every contraction. And then I was like getting back up and trying to put my pants on. And I was just like, it was bad. I was like a really big mess. So on the way to the hospital, I remember just like sitting there, like being like, I just, I need an epidural right now. Like I I was really in a lot of pain because I was getting a lot of back labor too. Right. And, um, I remember we got to the hospital and they're like asking me all the questions and I was like, I don't know, just like, I need an epidural. Like just stop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they took me into triage and I was five centimeters dilated and a hundred percent effaced. Which is an excellent start, especially for a first time mom. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, are you sure I'm not like 10? Like maybe back again. (laughs) 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 um but they need it took them an hour to give me the epidural because I had to do the blood work and I had to get a bag of water like the um the the bag that they give you of the the water and then they finally gave me the epidural but throughout this whole process they kept like checking my son's heart rate they had like the heart rate monitor on my on my belly and like every contraction they're like okay we need you to flip over because we're losing his heart rate and so they make me flip in the middle of a contraction to my other side and then they had me flip again on the next contraction and they were kind of like getting a little worried and so they we got into the room I got my epidural um it never kicked in until he was I was pushing so it was like kind of pointless to even get it Mm. (laughs) but um so during each contraction, they noticed his heart rate kept dropping. Um, and so they, they ended up doing that fetal heart rate monitor that uh-huh. screws into his head. Yep. Um, and they had me like sit on this big, like half circle blow up thing. And so I was like on my, on my knees and kind of laying on that to get the weight off of him or to get him to kind of move. So he wouldn't to try and get his heart rate to stay normal. And his heart rate kept dropping and kept dropping every contraction, like going down, like dropping half, like really low. Yep. And so the nurse told me, she's like, we have to push this button. You're going to see a sea of people coming in, but don't worry. I just need some support. So she pushed it and like 15 nurses came in. The NICU people came in. Um, an OB came in with my midwife (laughs) 
and they're like all trying to monitor and check how things are going. And they felt like it got kind of stable again. They're seeing his heart rate. Okay. And, um, they all left the room and not even like uh, two minutes later, she pushed it again and everyone had to run back in. And, um, they, I remember laying there on that ball while all these people are running in and like seeing my contractions go up as every contraction and his heart rate dipped down. Mm. And I had the oxygen on my face because they were trying to get more oxygen to him. Mm. And I just was so terrified, like that something was going to happen. And, um, the OB ended up coming over to me and said, um, you know, I think we're at a point now where we just need to get this baby out. So I think we need to do a C-section. And I was like, I don't care, like whatever we need to do, I just want him to be healthy. And so they um, ran off, he ran off to the OR to get ready. And my midwife was there and she said, you know, like, I just want to check you one more time. Like, I feel like you could be close. Right. And she checked me and I was 10 centimeters and I was like ready to push. (laughs) And so she called the OB back to the room and he was like, we can do this. Like we're going to use a vacuum though, because he needs to come up quick. So he got the vacuum on and, um, he cranked my bed up really tall (laughs) and he, um, they had me practice a couple pushes, but he was like, I was pretty strong at getting him out. So they're like, okay, slow down, like stop for a second. And I had got him out in three pushes, one when the bed was up, one when he dropped the bed down and he used the vacuum to help pull from that angle. And then he was out the third push. Nice. You were a strong pusher indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Yes. And then, Having the vacuum, I think, helped too, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the vacuum, I mean, it, 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 one of the important things I say about a vacuum birth is that really it works best when it's just adding to your own effort. And if it was just a couple pull, I mean, you were doing fantastic. You should be proud of yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask so, what was the period of time from, when you got the epidural, when you first got there to then when you delivered, like how many, how much time had passed? Yeah, we got to the hospital around 4 a.m. Because um, we left at 3.30 uh-huh. and he was born at 9 a.m. Oh, so it wasn't very long at all. No, it was really, it was very quick and it felt like it had been a whole day because of all the stuff that happened. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And you said the epidural wasn't really doing a whole lot during that time? No, it kicked in. Um, as I, I remember, I could feel him putting the vacuum in. Right. Um, and then I think right after that is when it might have finally kicked in. The The midwife kept pushing the button to make it stronger because <laughs> I kept telling her I could feel everything. Right. And um, so I think it finally kicked in right as I was pushing. Right. So like, so like you said, pretty much useless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As an OBGYN and podcast host, I'm excited to share a resource that empowers mothers and mothers-to-be in managing their pelvic floor and core health. It's called Informed Pregnancy Plus, and it offers access to essential workshops that can significantly enhance your understanding and care of your body during and after pregnancy. Discover the Core Connection, a foundational five-episode series by Natalie Headings, a pre-postnatal exercise specialist. This series covers the basics of pelvic floor health, teaches key postural adjustments, and shows you how to activate your core properly. For a more comprehensive experience, check out Mindful Movement. This premium series provides in-depth content, including practical exercises and personalized strategies to strengthen your body. It's like having a pelvic health expert in your home. You can try the full subscription streaming library of Informed Pregnancy Plus absolutely free. Visit informedpregnancy.tv to start an empowered journey toward a healthier motherhood. Take this step for your health, your body, and your baby will thank you. And then um, what what were your husband and doula during doing during that time? Um, my husband was right by my side. He was, you know, holding my hand and holding the oxygen on my face. And, uh, when I was pushing, he held one of my legs, um, and, or like supported me. I was trying to hold my own, but, um, 
My doula, she mostly took pictures because she, when we got to the hospital, she kind of took a step back because it was more serious like than I think any of us expected. Right, and right. so she was kind of just more in the corner. She was supporting Mike, <laughs> my husband, um, more probably than supporting me. Um, but I feel like both of us felt like we got the most support from our midwife um, who was there. She was incredible. And she just, gotcha. I felt I was terrified, but I felt safe with her and also with the OB. Like when he came in, it was so cool to see, like he obviously was the person in charge at that point because of all the stuff that was going on and it was right. more serious, but he 100% was working with my midwife and like taking her recommendations and like, you know, conversing with her as like a team. And that made me feel so much more comfortable too, just knowing that like I had two amazing people looking out for me and my baby um, and it ended up working out okay. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And had you, you had, I presume you hadn't met this OB before. No, I hadn't met him. I'd met the midwife, obviously. They they had me meet with a different one every appointment so I could know all of them, but I didn't know him at all. And I sent him a thank you card because I was just so impressed with him. He was so calm and um, just immediately gave me the confidence in him when he walked in the room, just because of how he talked to me and value, like valued everything I was saying and what my midwife was saying. So I appreciated that a nice. lot. And that, that is exactly how it should be. We should work together to help the person who's giving birth feel exactly how you describe. So that's really great to hear that you had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. It was definitely crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in the midst of being terrified, <laughs> you were still able to feel like you were safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did they bring him right up on your chest after he came out? They, so yeah, the, the OB put him on my chest, but he wasn't crying or anything. He was very shocked. Um, he was kind of just limp. And so I was, I actually, my doula got a video of the second they put him on my chest and I, just had this like fear in my eyes <laughs> because I was worried something was wrong and my husband was worried. And so they, the NICU people were there still from when they came in the room with all 15 other people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they took him right over and were working on him. And um, it turned out like he was just kind of shocked and he immediately, like after, you know, 30 seconds or so he was crying and, it, like everything just flooded in like <laughs> inside me at that point. And I was crying and um, my, the NICU people invited my husband over to, you know, see his son. Yeah. And the second my husband went over there and talked to him, he stopped crying. And that was just so incredible to see like that bond already right, right from the start. Oh, that is so special. Yeah. That is a lot that you had going on. Yeah. I mean, in a short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. needless to yes. say, we didn't use our playlist. We didn't eat our snacks until afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So then I guess did they bring him back over to you fairly okay. quickly then? Yes. Yeah. As soon as he okay. was crying, they brought him over um, and I like held him for what felt like the entire time we were there, I didn't want to let him go. <laughs> um, and yeah, he was, he was perfectly healthy um, at that point. So good. Yeah. Good, good, good. So gosh, I mean, when you look back, well, actually let's talk about first, like what was the postpartum period like for you both in the hospital and then once you got home? Yeah. Um, in the hospital, I was just so excited to have him there and I didn't sleep at all. I just wanted to stare at him. <laughs> <laughs> and now looking back, I probably should have got as much sleep as possible because those, that first week was really hard. Um, he, since I had the developmental cord, during the delivery, he was pushing on his umbilical cord, which is making his heart rate drop. Um, so that's why it was the issue. Right. Um, but he had also stopped growing around that 36 week mark. So he was born really small. He was only six pounds, 11 ounces oh. when he was supposed to be huge. <laughs> and so he was always hungry, like always hungry. And so he ate like probably every hour, 90, every 90 minutes. 
And um, so I was not getting any sleep ever. (laughs) And I loved it, but I was also like very sleep deprived. And I think that was the hardest part is um, I think some like they you're always encouraged to breastfeed and like they say breast is best and like really encourage that. But I I felt like a failure because I really wanted to supplement just so I could get some sleep. Sure. And um there's just nobody that really helps you feel comfortable with formula feeding. Like they they always every time I called like the lactation consultants or like even our, the midwife office, they're like, well, just, you know, it, it gets better. Just try a little bit longer and, you know, it'll get better. And um, I didn't end up supplementing until like the three month mark. But um, I think that was the hardest thing for me is I wished somebody had told me like, it's okay to supplement with formula if you need to. And yes. he's going to be t- completely healthy. Yeah. And, And I think that was the hardest part for me postpartum. Yep. We have to find a balance between breast is best and like you have to have some sanity and be able to like exist so that you can take care of this baby. And it's perfectly reasonable if you need to, to to supplement. Yeah. We don't do a great job postpartum. We still have work to do. So um, (laughs) um, it's good that you found your own sort of way to, reconcile with that but it sounds like it took a little bit for you to get there yeah my my husband actually was the one that really uh worked with me through it I was I remember sitting in the rocker just crying one night because I was so tired and I was breastfeeding and he was like we can supplement it's okay like do not you're not a failure he still loves you he's going to love you like it's not going to change your bond with him and he I can't tell you how many times we had that conversation and he just was so supportive. Um, and I, I think that made a huge difference too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So when you look back on everything, how do you feel about it? Um, I honestly, I think it's such an incredible story and an incredible experience. And I regularly just think back on that whole experience and I'm just, I'm so thankful it worked out the way it did. Um, I'm so thankful for the team that I had, like the midwives and the OB. Um, so I know a lot of people um, love having a doula and I know that they're for some people, but for me, I feel like um, the doula didn't really help my experience. And um, I, I feel like had she not been there, I probably would have gone to the hospital sooner. And I feel like I would have been a little less stressed because they would have found out like about the heart rate issue, his heart rate dropping earlier. And I feel like it would have been a lot less stressful. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I appreciate you being honest about that. Like everybody is going to have a different experience and I want to be able to present like everyone's experience. Not everything is good for, for every person. So I appreciate you um, being comfortable sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure. um, I thought it would be the best thing for us. And in the end, I think it it was more important that I had a a team of physicians that were on my side and made me feel comfortable. Gotcha. 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 So is there anything else that you weren't, and not, not to say that you weren't happy about the doula, but is there anything that you weren't happy about or you wish was different about your experience? Um, I don't, you know, I, I feel like my story was perfect how it was. Like I look back and I just, I'm, I'm thankful it didn't go as planned in a way because it, it, it kind of set me up for the rest of motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Yes. (laughs) Um, I'm trying not to laugh, but once you have a baby, like nothing can prepare you and guys it's not bad we promise but nothing can quite prepare you for what it's like to have a tiny human being that you're responsible for and the ups and downs that go with that and being able to like navigate that totally and I think one of the biggest things I learned since I've had a baby is that nobody is going to tell you how to do anything the right way um it's all, I mean, you're the mom and you get to, like, you're the one that decides everything and you're the one that advocates for this little baby. And I think that's kind of the summary of my birth experience too, is like, I hired a doula because I wanted someone to be able to tell me what to do um, and feel comfortable the whole time when really it's, 
you just kind of go with your own instinct. Like I knew my body better than anybody else. And I think I would have been just fine not having a doula because of that. I, I love that you indeed, we each know ourselves and just like developing that, that trust in yourself is, is part of it, which it sounds like you, you've come to a realization that you, you can trust yourself and your body and know what's, what's best for you. Yeah. And what's best for that little human being that you have. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you had to pick one piece of advice that you would tell other women as they are getting ready for their birth, what would that be? What would your favorite piece of advice be? And you may have said it already, so certainly say it again. Yeah, I think it's, it's that. It's just knowing that you know yourself and your body the best. And if something doesn't feel right, like you can always ask questions and advocate for yourself and, um, having, you know, a care team that's on, has your back and like, is going to advocate for you as well. Um, just having that combo really, uh, ended up making my birth a success, I think. Um, but you definitely have to be involved in speaking up for yourself because <laughs> yeah. if I hadn't said I was ready to go to the hospital when I did, I don't know what would have happened. Right. Um, right. cause he came pretty quickly after that. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story. I really, really appreciate it. And you just have so many lovely elements that I know people are going to relate to and find helpful. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that a great birth story episode? I love how Heidi was able to find beauty in her birth, even though things didn't go exactly as anticipated. And I also appreciate her honesty and candor about her experience during her birth and the postpartum period as well. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I go through my top three or four takeaways from the conversation. And here are my Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Heidi. Number one, or actually two quick, gentle reminders. Number one, you can get pregnant pretty much as soon as you stop birth control. Heidi mentioned that she got pregnant pretty quickly right after she stopped her pills, and that can happen. The only method that delays return to fertility is Depo-Provera. Otherwise, you can theoretically get pregnant right away. There's no like washout period or anything like that. So just know that and keep that in the back of your mind. If you stop using birth control, you can get pregnant. I talk more about contraception in episode 114 of the podcast. The second gentle reminder is that epidurals take time and although they usually work, sometimes they don't. They take at least 30, sometimes 45 minutes of preparation before you can get the epidural. And then there's another 15 or 20 minutes where it has to settle in, where the medicine has to take effect. So it's not something that happens right away. And again, although they usually work, sometimes they don't. Recently at work, we had a woman who actually got three epidurals placed and not one of them worked for her during her birth to relieve pain. Again, that is not typical that that happens, but it is a possibility. And like Heidi said in her story, it wasn't working up until the very end. So sometimes they don't always go exactly as planned. All right, number three, it can feel scary when things are off during the birth and a bunch of people come into the room at once. But this is actually the benefit of giving birth in the hospital. Hospitals don't always do great at low intervention birth, but what hospitals do well at is emergencies and responding to emergencies and having those things available. So even though it can feel scary, um, it can feel overwhelming, like five, 10 people come in the room at once when things happening. Understand that that is actually the benefit of being in the hospital, of having all of the things there for an emergency and to be able to respond quickly if needed. And then the final thing I'll say is you always have to advocate for yourself. I love, love, love how Heidi advocated for herself. And it doesn't matter who it's with. In her case, she had to advocate for herself with her doula. Sometimes you may have to advocate with your doula, with your midwife, with your doctor, maybe even with your husband or partner. 
Now, one of the things that can help you be better able to advocate yourself is having information and knowledge about the process of labor and birth. And you do that through childbirth education. Of course, I have a great option, the birth preparation course to help you um, with childbirth education, but there are other great options out there as well. Do your research, find something that works for you. And of course, check out my option at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. Can't believe I've had like over a thousand folks through the course at this point now. So I'd love to have you there as well. All right. So there you have it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast an Apple podcast or wherever you listen to this podcast, Google play, I guess it's Google podcast now, um, Spotify, Stitcher. And I would love it if you leave an honest review in Apple podcast, it helps other women to find the show helps the show to grow. And I do shout outs from those reviews from time to time on the podcast. Also be sure to check out my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works You will learn a step-by-step process in order to make a birth plan that actually works to help you have the birth that you want. Check out that free class at drnicolerankins.com forward slash register. I'd love to see you there. So that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, drnicolerankins.com to get even more great information, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works, as well as everything you need to know about my signature online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com and I will see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.